And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. And that is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive. Left field. This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode <laughs> number 59 of The Roundtable. I'm here with Doug and Matthew. What's up, guys? It's been a while. <laughs> hey, Jeff Sullivan. Great to see you. <laughs> I wish sorry that. Uh, yeah, and you sounded like Tony DeComo. Um, yeah, sorry you got fired by the Rays, but uh, I'm sure all your numbers really helped. <laughs> That's oh, just, oh so mean. That's just so mean to Jeff, who's a very nice guy. Who does anyway? It's just so unnet. Like, imagine if you're just Jeff, right? You're just like kind of killing time, and maybe you're just like listening to this dumb pod. You're like, what are these guys talking? Like, wonder if they wonder if they know how to pronounce Aaron Savali's last name, and you just click on, and we're just shitting on him for no reason. I was just thinking about this. Have you seen the Bash Brothers experience? Yeah. yeah, it's on Netflix. It's uh, it's it's the Lonely Island guys doing yes. this fake documentary musical about Conseco oh, wow. and McGuire. It's okay. the funniest thing, amazing. And I imagine Joe Montana watching it and just be like, "Ah, oh, this is so funny." And at the end, they just totally dump on Montana for no reason. I imagine him just going, like, "What the? This is about the A's." Anyway, it's just about the most Bay Area thing of all time. Oh my god! Wait, what, just what is their criticism of Montana? It, it's not serious. It's just right. It's ridiculous. It's just he, they come out and, and someone, one of the Lonely Island guys who wasn't in the documentary that much, comes out as Joe Montana and just just for yucks. And it's it's just funny. So okay, but unnecessary it. if you're Joe Montana. <clears throat> what the? Anyways, there's trade deadline stuff. Uh, lots of it. I mean, we got greats. We got prospects to rank. We're gonna go around and we're gonna draft all the prospects in order uh, that we've known and followed for this whole time. But first, let's just get right into it. Uh, Mark, why did Buck Showalter trade uh, all of these uh, guys away from the Mets? The roundtable uh, heads, like, I mean, cla- you know what? Like the roundtable heads that, that unfortunately listen to this every week. <laughs> have already sensed in like whatever this is, two minutes, that this is going to be the weirdest one we ever do. I mean, this is, I think we got three people in a mood right now. So um, <laughs> let me just be clear. Buck Show is not his fault. No. All right. Like, like Steve Cohen said, like it's not Buck's fault 
lay off of Buck. Leave Buck alone. When you're done leaving wow. Brittany alone, leave Buck alone too. It's not wow. your fault, Mark, though. it's good to it's see you've fault, continued though. carrying Steve's water since Twitter the other night when you're talking about what a genius he is uh, for how you he saved go? the franchise. You want to go? Yeah. You want to go, Andy? Yeah, but, but it's, I, all right, I'll, I'll bring it back to baseball a little bit. I will say that, <laughs> that, that Steve Cohen's decision to say, you know what, just take all this money. I want to buy the best prospect. I want, I want, uh, I want your Acuna. Uh, what's mm-hmm. that going to take to buy that Acuna? And the Rangers like, gosh, we don't want to give up again. He's just throwing stacks of millions. That screwed up the deadline from like the Giants' perspective. You know, I'm covering the Giants, and I'm thinking, yeah, gosh, the Giants have so much room to take on Verlander or Scherzer's contract. Like they can maybe get these guys for a song, but no, they extracted good prospects for cash money, which is not. No. I don't know if there's another owner who would do who would have done that. Grant, it's so true. Anytime you can spend $150 million to trade two Hall of Famers and get back two prospects, one of whom even barely cracked Keith Law's top 60 at the midseason, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it for millions. This argument is so dumb. Like, I can't even believe that we're actually going to have it here in public. Like, we're going to take what we've been texting about for 48 hours and share it with other people. Like, that very idea is ridiculous to me, and that we're being paid to do it is even more ridiculous. Andy, knock it off, okay? okay. Like, this is what wow. they had to do, man. Oh, like, man. they suck. They knew it. You have to listen, because Mark is, like, technically my boss. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Mark's right. Uh, oh, my no, God. No, like, here's – so here's, here's, I think, where, like uh, – Here's what is really interesting to me about the the Mets situation. I 100% agree that they did the right thing. Like, there's no question this team, um, this team was going nowhere this year. They are not set up well for next year. Um, they needed to get out from under some of these deals, recoup whatever value they could. The money doesn't matter. It's all a rounding error for Cohen. You know, the way it's it's jet fuel money, you know, like who cares, right? It pays his gas. That said, it's still an abject failure. And there was almost like this willingness from, you know, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know. It's just trying to kind of get ahead of the, the story or whatever, but there was just sort of this immediate, like, well, the Mets have changed the direction of their franchise. And like, look at, you know, they're so well, sell well set up to, to compete in a couple of years. And it's kind of just like, yeah, okay. Like, I agree. That is like, they, they made the correct decisions, but it is worth examining how they got into this sort of mess. And, and like, and there is some accounting to be done for that. I, I don't think you just sort of look, I don't think anyone in the baseball operations department there has earned the, the right to be like, well, you know, look, we, we tried and we failed and, you know, but look, we, we've proven we can do this. It's like, no, you haven't. You threw the most money ever at a team that's like going to win 75 games. Like you should be concerned about the future of the franchise just because they got some financial flexibility back. Yeah. I think what that argument ignores is some really important context, which is that you have the wealthiest owner in the sport purchase the team. He's not buying the team to go into an immediate rebuild, especially when he's got the resources to go out there and just basically have that drunken orgy fan experience of like, Hey, that guy's expensive and good. Let's get him. Hey, that guy's expensive and used to be good. Let's get him too. Right. Like he basically did like the the absolute fantasy of of pretty much any Met fan that's Mm -hmm. watched this team for all that time. Could you imagine if he hadn't? That's the issue I have with that argument. 
because there's hmm. no circumstance in which you can buy a team, do it under those circumstances, be as ballyhooed as he was, and then not act the way he did. Hmm. That I just I don't think you can do that. Not in this market, not in that time period, not with what they had on hand already. And so I I get it. Like, you know, it was an abject failure. I, I I'm not arguing otherwise. I'm just saying when you take the accounting of what could have been done different. I'm not sure there's much that could have been done different except to yeah. like try your damnedest and try to spend your way into being interesting, which, by the way, a year ago worked. Mm -hmm. All right. But you're right. I think anyone watching this go on as it was happening knew what the other side of this could look like. Mm -hmm. And now we're there. <clears throat> But like, I don't know if it's a fair argument to then criticize that guy or those decisions because the context was so different. And we cannot forget the environment that existed when he bought the team and then, you know, decided to go out this way. The, the quote that's being thrown out at Cohen a lot now is the three to five year quote. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know how long ago he said that? I was in the presser. I asked the question. <laughs> that's how long ago it was. <laughs> Okay, Jeez. so it's like 2008. Oh, all right. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but like you know, it, you want to go? While. My boss said you... to me today <laughs> in a public forum. <laughs> Unbelievable. You guys, the roundtable has need to understand. Andy has been gearing up for this squabble <laughs> for 48 hours. Yeah. All right. Not only in text to me directly, but into a, another chain of other ball rider types, <laughs> ball rider adjacent types. Just, just, like, just, just basically goading me into this fight. All right. Yeah. So I just want to let, for, for the record, I didn't come looking for it. Okay? He's, yeah. he's been and like in a hotel room, like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, like doing karate moves, dude. And shirt off, breaking mirrors, Andy, yeah, staring in the mirror. <laughs> Andy's going to start this fight and I'm going to finish it. Whoa. Understand? So, like, I, but seriously, that I get what you're saying, and like, yeah, let us not forget that ultimately it is a massive failure, hundred yeah. percent. I just don't know how it could have been avoided. I, I really don't. Yeah. I don't know what the other moves were. Like, you, you well, don't I have buy a, thought, a team but... and then not do anything with it. Right. I have a thought, but Grant, you should, you should go for a minute. You should. I do have, you know, some some of my fans want to hear from me, um, but. <laughs> No, it, I go back to the, when I'm evaluating the Mets, I'm looking at how I saw those moves at the time and, and just how I saw them through my prism, which is, oh, you know, the Giants, could they have used him or, you know, could someone in the NL West have used them? And when I saw them sign Starling Marte, trade and then re-sign him, it was like, gosh, dang, that was a hot move. That move should work. When it was mm -hmm. getting uh, Mark Hanna, I was like, yep, yep, that's a good move. Trading for Francisco Lindor and then giving him a huge extension – Hell yeah, that guy's on a path to Cooperstown. One by one, I was in on these moves until they got to Verlander and Scherzer. And that's when I was thinking, okay, this might work for the regular season, but boy howdy, is it going to be risky in October or you know September even when these 40-year-olds are, are leaking oil a little bit. So for them to just kind of putter around in the regular season was a huge red flag because everything hinged on that. Uh, and then all the other free agents I mentioned uh, in one way or another disappointed uh, just by leaps and bounds. I don't think there's any other way. I do think it's worth figuring out why all these free agents failed. You can expect a couple of them to fail. Um, but yeah, this whole roster was just a big old dog butt on camera. Yeah. Well, Mark, estimation. I have some re or, uh, Grant, I have some really anti-labor 
explanations oh, for boy. why the free agents didn't work out. I, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. So the like free agents are terrible. Free agents are always terrible. You know, that's sorry. Uh, like it sucks, yeah. but that's kind of, you know, unfortunately that's, we, we know this. However, so here's, here's what I would say. And I, and I think the points you both you guys are making are, are right, especially, you know, the, the first like signing Lindor to that contract, is it a dollar for dollar win? Eh, I don't know. We're going to see. Um, however, he's a really good player. It's great to have him, whatever. Uh, the moves they made to build up for last year, you know, short term, really like it. You know, they're gearing up. They're trying to prove that they're a real team, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay. The question going into 2023 is, do you look at the team last year that won 101 games is going to be a year older, has some decent prospects coming, but no one of the Ellie De La Cruz, you know, whatever sort of franchise, face of the franchise type mold coming. Do you look at this team that has all these free agents coming off the books, DeGrom, Nimmo, uh, you know, Ottavino, you know, Edwin Diaz, do you look at all them? And let them walk, take a step back, recoup whatever draft picks there are, you know, like have a bridge year. Or do you go all in? And Steve Cohen has more money than, you know, all three of us combined for sure. No. And well, I don't know, Grant. You've never had your record collection appraised, but he has a he has, you know, he's a deck of billionaire. And he said, all right, let's go for it. Right. And so in the process of going for it, they locked up a ton of players to a ton of money. And it became pretty clear going into the season that they were reliant on a handful of these guys to perform like stars. And Edwin Diaz getting hurt was a huge blow. Max Scherzer not being Max Scherzer was a huge blow. Uh, Justin Verlander taking two months to sort of round out his form was a huge blow. You know, Pete Alonso has been fine. Lindor has been fine. Nimmo has been fine. But, you know, they haven't been – they're not going to win the MVP, right? And I think – that the, the the pivot point, if you're going to you know look at it, was after last season. They won 101 games, but I think you could see them run out of gas. You could see that they didn't have the horses to catch the Braves. There wasn't a thing they could have done this offseason to get better than the Braves in 2024, 2023. So knowing that, should you still put up a half a billion dollar payroll or whatever it's going to be? If you're Steve Cohen, sure, you can. Like The problem is that there's a tail to that, and that's kind of what they're going to be sorting through over the next couple of years. That's all like I, and I think that like, did, if you had asked me in last October, what should the Mets do? I would have said, take a step back. Hmm. I mean, I probably said it, you know, in, in, you know, when I talk enough about stuff that I don't really remember. So like, you know, take a step back, try and win 85 games and like bridge it, you know, because you're, you're, you're throwing good money after bad. But once you, you know, decide you're going to get Verlander, like, all right, just go for it, whatever. You have so much money. Just keep, you know, just go. But, like, there's going to be a receipt. You just expect that it comes a couple years down the road, not a couple months into the season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think problem number one, and, and Will Salmon was writing this all spring long, is citing the average age of this starting rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was just a major red flag. It's like 35. And like, here's the other thing. We're talking about Justin Verlander. And Max Scherzer, they are future Hall of Famers. They're also not, especially Max Scherzer's case. That's no longer Max Scherzer. Yeah. And I think that you know when you tick down Andy uh, uh, the list of things that went sideways, the fact that Scherzer is this now, 
I think is a massive one on that list. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a couple items on the list, but that one, in my opinion, carries just as much weight as the closer going down the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, you see, he's just not at all what he has been. And, and that is, again, this is the risk you take with age, right? Like, he's a great competitor, had a great career, has a great career, is going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, won <clears> championships, <throat> like all that. But, you know... It, that's that's the terrifying aspect of aging in the sport is that it, it once it starts to turn it can turn awfully fast mm-hmm. and even in verlander's case you know his part of that ramp up was he was hurt he was on the shelf yeah. for the first right. month again this is going to happen when you got older players mm-hmm. so i think there's a lot of reasons why this happened the biggest one though is that they you know and, and we again the anti-labor part of this mm. dude they signed a bunch of free agents free agents are older older players get hurt end of story that that's it mm-hmm. and, and so they were beholden to luck they didn't get it right um and then also just i think part of the push to sort of augment with these free agents is that they were feeling really good about guys like jeff mcneil Pete Alonso, sure. et okay that like it wasn't this is not a situation where they just you know built a team on free agents that's not true right like but those guys have to perform too and as andy ticked off they haven't so there's a lot of stuff that went on like in individual pockets and, and reasons of why this thing went the way it went. But I feel like the thread that holds it all together is that they were older and I, older mm, players get hurt. Yeah. I will, I will. That's a good point. The older players get hurt, but as a perfect contrast to the Mets and their strategy, uh, I would like to offer the Texas Rangers as a way to explain what has really gone wrong with the Mets. Because the Rangers, in mm. a way, they've, uh, they've lost to Grom. Uh, Corey Seager has been making MVP money, and he's been performing like an MVP this season, but he's been hurt. Marcus mm-hmm. Simeon is uh, closer to like the Francisco Lindor of good, not great uh, on this continent. He's been really, really good, and you can count on him, but his OPS is like 800. Uh, you know, they're, the free agents aren't necessarily what's driving that team. It's Nathaniel Lowe. It's Josh Young. Mm-hmm. It is, it's uh, all these players up and down just have Duran, Garcia, yes, a bunch uh, of. Yeah. Uh, Adjusted OPS over 100, like oh, tick, 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 all the way down. Then you've got guys like Dane Dunning helping out and John Gray. Uh, Andrew Heaney hasn't been like a total disappointment. Like they're getting contributions from the Jeff McNeils on their team. They're getting the right. contributions from up and down the roster. And that's the, that's the difference for me. If they were getting those kinds of contributions up and down the roster from McNeil, from, from uh, Brett Beatty, from Vogelbach, like they would be, even with Verlander and Scherzer doing what they did this year, even with Brandon Nemo just kind of being okay, they would be contending. They would be right in the thick of it. It's, it's all yeah. the players underneath. It's the, the sub rock. The Texas, the Texas Rangers have had some several big things go wrong, you know, DeGrom being one of the biggest, but they've had a lot of smaller things go right. Mm-hmm. And the Mets have had a lot of big things go wrong and a lot of little things go wrong. <laughs> there you so, go. Right. You know, yeah. Like they, you know, they, they, yeah. The, but the pitching, when, when you're talking mm-hmm. about the Rangers, which by the way, great, great comp, mm-hmm. it's the first thing I go to is the pitching, right? Like, I mean, Dane Dunning is, is a 138. Oh, uh, ERA plus this year, you know, like John Gray's 118. Hmm. Like, what's Quintana? Yeah, 
Uh, right, like that's, well, Kitana's one seventeen, but he's only is it, is it okay? So yeah, they've gotten so, hundred in hundred league average innings from the Heen Dog, which like is probably yeah. not what they signed him to do. But like a hundred innings of league average pitching is better than what the Mets have gotten from McGill, Peterson, Carrasco. Yeah, there's value. There's value in competence. Yep. Yes. And that's that's killed him, man. Like that, and they needed that in this rotation to sort of insulate themselves against the volatility potentially with the top two guys. They haven't gotten it, so yeah. And, and whereas the Rangers have been on the opposite end of that, so it, it's a lot of big things, a lot of small things. But ultimately, where I land on it is like I'm not even sure really what the right path was, and even like the step back idea, which again, valid idea and all that. Hard to square that up with the context. Because ultimately they did win 101 ball games, and this is not a franchise that makes the playoffs every year. It's mm-hmm. never been. Okay, so like it, that's another thing to remember. Like right, we frame everything with what the Angels have done, for instance, against the backdrop of the fact they haven't been in the playoffs in forever. Yo, the Mets are not that far off. Like when they, they've been playing baseball for 60 years almost, and it's not like has it been more? It's actually been more than whatever it was. It's been a long time, and it's not like they've got a bunch of playoff appearances strung together. It's still a relatively rare event when you look at it from that lens. So yeah. off, off of 101 wins and you know getting to the playoffs and playing a series in the playoffs and all this, I don't know if – I'm just trying to think about what that would look like if they announced that they were going to step back or, or, or acted early in the offseason like they were going to step back, how that would play. I, I just – it doesn't really square with like – the environment and context, even though from a baseball perspective, it's a great argument. And, yeah. and you know, certainly looking back at it now is even more valid, but like, right. it just doesn't square with the real world. Right. Well, like imagine if they'd reached the world series and then traded their best pitcher. <laughs> imagine if they traded uh, Pete Alonso, like the Rays did Blake Snell. What could you have got? And like, again, like this is all like fantasy, make believe the points to win a title, not to be competitive, blah, 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 which I tend to agree with. But I also think it is interesting to watch how, you know, like, I guess. So what we're going to find out with the Mets and the Yankees really over the next couple years is how amenable the New York market really is to rebuilding. Yeah, because I think both of these teams need to do it. It's very yep. clear both of these clubs need to engage in some sort of teardown. The Yankees are were paralyzed the deadline. Maybe we can get to that, you know, later. Maybe we can talk about something besides stuff that Mark and I don't watch on our couch at night. Um, but like, it's going to be, you know, you talk a lot, Mark, about how like, you know, the, this market can this market do it? The context. Well, we're going to find out because Cohen has certainly he's bought the, you know, he's. He has earned the credibility, right, that he's going to spend to keep the Mets relevant. But, you know, as team spokesman Max Scherzer told Ken Rosenthal, like, they're not <laughs> going to try these next couple of years. And yeah. the team is, has decided not to contradict <laughs> Scherzer's comments, which I found curious. <laughs> but anyway. I, Look, that's so, a great point. Yeah. So you're Steve Cohen. You've just bought the Mets. You're sitting 
at a very expensive and long <clears throat> business table and uh, you're you someone's brought you your lunch and it's got uh, guacamole with guacamole on the side because you can afford that shit man and so you've got the smartest baseball people staring at you and you're saying what can we do to just win every year is the answer free agents no 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 the answer is you gotta you gotta build up your quants you gotta build up your prospects your farm system get a conveyor belt get people who are scouring the waiver wires and saying this guy can do this if we just teach him how to do that and hit on it be the dodgers have the money but also have the brains and have that farm system just chugging along and spitting people out even if you're steve cohen you can't just go out and buy it you can't just say, yeah. all right, I'll take one. I'm going to go to Costco and get a six pack of that. You can't, yeah. you got to wait for that. So you do what you can in the interim, which is just bleh, here's money to get Verlander and Scherzer. I've heard of these guys in the meantime, underneath let's build that foundation up. I don't think there was any other way. I don't think taking a step back would have made sense. It's you toss money at the immediate hope it pans out, but this right. isn't the plan. This isn't the plan underneath the real plans going along. I would think it doesn't mean it's going to be successful because as you saw with the white Sox, like, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work <clears throat> out that conveyor belt. Um, but that's the plan. And I, I think it's all going according to plan. Just not this year. Well, he did go yeah. to Costco this week, except he stocked up on six packs of prospects. Yeah. And he, paid a, he paid a premium for it. Okay. But that's exactly what he did. And I think in my mind, okay, it's this went sideways. No one like planned for this. This is not what they wanted. Obviously, it's a failure. Yeah. But once you cross over to the fact where like, yep, we failed, you got to act. And I think the way they acted after it made sense. All right. You know, yeah. I caught a little bit of heat for it. I was like, oh, you know, buying prospects is cool. All right. No, it's yeah, not. You, you Actually, in retrospect, I did. Oh, man, I got him going, huh? <laughs> Yeah, like the sleeper cell of Drelic just like comes like roaring out. But like, no, I mean, anyway, like it's not cool. All right. That's the wrong word to use for it. But I feel like in a situation they were facing that, that they had to like deal with, that was probably the right thing to do. And like the fact that you have somebody who's operating like that, which is unlike his peers, by the way. All right. Like you, what other owners doing that? None. All right. So like, this is why, in my mind, it was it, the guys using his resources and leveraging his resources the right way. Like in, in a bad situation, that's what you have to go do. So are yeah. they complete in their rebuild? Absolutely not. But they have a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. But this isn't going to hurt them moving forward. It's only going to help him. And I think it takes, to their credit, sort of coming to grips with the fact that this ain't going to work. And, and to your point, Andy, about whether a New York market can stomach a rebuild, I think that takes a lot of guts in that, on that side of it, too, is that you know, they're declaring that they're going to try to rebuild this thing, despite whatever Billy Appler's corporate speak nonsense is about, what was it, reimagining or whatever? It's uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't, yeah, they're rebuilding, who knows? all right? Yeah, right? So, you know, and they're trying to do it quick. And so these moves are an indication of like how they're going to try to do it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So I'm just kind of curious as to when, all right, if that's what you're doing, when does Pete Alonso get traded? You know, like it's going to be yeah, the off season. You'd it think should have been, it should have been August 1st, but I guess yeah. they'll wait to see what the, you know, I did, uh, I did enjoy, I made this joke in a couple other forums, but not uh, publicly yet. I did enjoy the sort of reaction to the return uh, to the Astros trade. I've been like, wow, Drew Gilbert. Wow, that's pretty – whoa, when the other player was Justin Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but he's you 40. Know, like he's Justin it. Verlander. The Astros are the World Series favorite now. Uh, They're the favorites know. to win the entire thing. Yeah, does anyone want to play? Does does any team want to play the Houston Astros in the postseason? No. They can't hit. So, yes, it do, it does cost a first-round pick from a couple years ago. And, and credit to Verlander for getting the contract he wanted at the destination he preferred <laughs> – all it cost him was a four-month trip to New York. <laughs> uh, so like I was that, hoping you'd prop like, that one out. That's I was. 3D chess. Good for him. Hey, uh, uh, pro labor. Uh, all right, wait, wait, wait. we got to, yeah, we got to move on. We <laughs> we we are just hitting like the the we'll big just... market teams, and we've got a vast listenership. Uh, so we got to talk about the little guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, You mentioned that the Yankees were paralyzed at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I think that was a great turn of phrase because that's exactly uh, what they were. They were, what do you do? How do you fix this team? What's going on? I, uh, yeah, that's, I, I don't know what to do with the, with the Yankees, I, yeah. but I don't well, think the trade deadline was going to help. I think the Yankees fell victim to a sort of phenomenon that seemed like it affected a bunch of teams and that the prices were just really weird, right? Like the prices to buy were pretty significant because there were so few legit assets on the market. And then so the teams who like the Red Sox, um, the Yankees, the Giants, all they got was A.J. Pollock, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Dodgers made a bunch of moves that like sort of helped – they're, you know, uh, the, the floor raisers, as Dave Roberts said, but they didn't land, you know, a, a big tier sort of, uh, you know, like a difference maker per se. Um, so I think that there was a lot of teams were kind of caught in between. The Yankees are just the one who look the most hopeless almost um, because the Red Sox are like in fourth place, but they're younger. They're, you know, they sort of feel like they're at the beginning of something rather than near the end. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so I'm looking back through my texts right now and the deadline was 6 PM Eastern. I got a text at 5:44 PM, 16 minutes before the deadline from, and this is unprompted from, uh, an executive from another team that had been dealing with the Yankees and, and he goes, they have been frustrating this deadline. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he cites an example of they had engaged with them on talks about a rental player. And they provided a name for that rental player. This other team did to the Yankees. And they're just like, nope. And they're like, okay, let's mm. provide another name. Nope. And that was it. Mm. And, and I'm like, that's weird. Like, why, you know, I'm, I'm not 
what was your takeaway from that? And this executive was like, that was obvious to us that they were in between. They were caught in between. That yeah. like, they didn't really know what to do. So paralyzed is the perfect word. And that's how it played out. And I think that is, you know, that is a microcosm of where that franchise stands, period. They are caught in between. Um, and I think maybe even worse, maybe it's just a clear sign to have to engage in the kind of rebuild that they tried to do a couple of years ago, which incidentally is what led him to this point anyway. Because let's take through the baby bombers era real mm. quick. The fact that those guys, aside from Judge, and by the way, even in Judge's case, you could be like, well, has he stayed healthy enough and all this? But like the rest of him, that whole group, I mean, I'd we said we know him. He's yeah, he's been great. Pers- but like personally, you know, Percy. Yes, your analysis is that he's good. Okay, Luis Severino, who like literally two weeks ago or a week ago, talking about how he's the worst pitcher in baseball right now. Not good. And like, and it, and he's probably right. Okay, um, you know, Greg Bird was in that group. Mm-hmm. All right, Gary Sanchez, Torres, Gary Sanchez. Torres, right. I mean, and on and on and on we go, and it's like. <laughs> It didn't work. It just ultimately it did not work. And, and and they did what sort of the Mets did. They had that core then tried to supplement it. That's how Stanton ends up there. All right. Um, obviously, with you got Garrett Cole, like this is what they do. But their failings, in my view, is sort of the root of it is the, the fact that that group, that 2017 group that was a surprise, you know, aside from Judge, just didn't work out combination mm-hmm. of injuries underperformance you know Glaber Torres is probably the most confounding of that group right like the way he began his career versus what he's become you know and and by the way he's been all right but it's he's just perfectly not, fine he's perfectly fine but like not at all how he looked at the beginning you know that he had a mm-hmm. position change that looked like it messed him up a little bit like you know and like you know, like he was a young player like there's ups and downs so there's some element of that too but the point is you go up and down the line of that group it just didn't work out. And so now you're the Yankees find themselves at this point, and it is not a good place to be. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. They're screwed. <laughs> Grant, why did the Giants do nothing? It's it, honestly, this is the point that I was going to make for the Yankees, but it applies. They had, uh, well, the, okay, so this part doesn't apply to the Yankees, but the Giants had the kind of farm system, the trade pieces to get. Shohei Otani this year. They sure. had okay. the kind to get Juan Soto. If the Pirates were going to trade Mitch Keller, the Giants could have been like, okay, we've got these three prospects in the top 75s, you know, a couple of them in the top 30. Uh, we can talk. We can talk about this. Absent that, uh, they could have gotten an innings eater. Well, they've got mm-hmm. eight, even with Desclafani down, they've got eight guys who can give them innings. Right. I mean, that's just kind of one of their, their many strengths. Uh, they could have gotten like an outfielder to help a little bit. And that's AJ Pollock. Okay, whatever. But that's all they really could do. Their roster is filled with players that you don't want to jettison necessarily. And the options to replace them weren't that much better. I Mm -hmm. I look at Jordan Montgomery. That's the trade I wish that they had made. I feel like the Cardinals weirdly like decided on that package before the, the actual deadline day. I think they sold themselves a little short, but maybe they just really liked uh, those prospects. That's the one deal where it's like, okay, that would have made sense. All the other deals, like, you know, Verlander, Scherzer, I'm looking at them going, yeah, not so sure about that. You know, they didn't have that sweet spot prospect that 
that is uh, uh, like what the Astros gave up for Verlander. They had better prospects than that. And then they are they going to stack worse prospects up and like a video right. game trade bundle? But I think that, that a lot of teams were like that. I can't right. remember which package it was, speaking of the Cardinals. But remember how a couple of weeks ago Katie was on? And, and mm-hmm. she's talking about, well, you know, the big thing for them is to go get some pitchers that miss bats, right? Like that's their whole thing moving forward. And so I was looking through one of the deals and, and the return, and there's a left-handed pitcher involved. And you know what he was? It's Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> it was basically like, you know, I was like, that's not at all. Like what, you know, it was, it just wasn't exactly that. You so, like what you like, man. They, they, I guess, you know, yeah. you know, it's hard, it's hard to break away from that habit. Yeah. They went and got themselves like, another contact guy. Anyway, hey, you know. if you strike out a batter per inning in double A, well, that'll, that'll be the same when you get to the majors. Yeah. That won't change. Dude, isn't it <laughs> funny though, to like, look at like when pitchers, like minor league pitchers get involved in trades at you know, the deadline, like there, there's, one very clear bucket. It's a dude who throws a hundred and walks eight guys per nine innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that, that, <laughs> that archetype showed up everywhere on August first. Everywhere, right? It was hilarious. Right. Well, because you got a bunch of scouting directors who are, and people are like, uh, "I can fix them." Yep. Like, oh, <laughs> let me get my hands on that clay. Like, I can, I can make that work. <laughs> Grant, Grant and I were doing some of these trade grades, and like, I know, you know, look, I don't cover prospects and or even respect them as people, but, um, <laughs> I, but no. So you know, you see these guys, you know. So like, I've I've not heard of most of the people who are in these trades, right? So you like are doing research, you're sending messages, and sometimes while you're waiting, you know, for like people who've actually scouted them, like you're just looking at the baseball reference page, and for every guy, you're like, well. He strikes out a lot of guys. And then you're like, well, he also is walking a lot of guys too. Well, I can yeah. see why they're interested. They seem to think that this number is going to stay here, but that one, they can bring it down. Definitely. You know, yes. <laughs> that's yeah, just yeah. every, every prospect, every it's pitching my, prospect. As you guys know, one of my favorite baseballisms is the squint. Mm. You just spend all of August first squinting when you look at these pitching prospects. Yeah. Just like, well, yeah. you know, like can't really throw the ball in the ocean, but man, yeah, miss a bat when he does. You know, yeah. There, yeah. there was one guy who was like, well, he's six foot seven, two forty five. Yeah. Whoa, big yeah. And they're like, wait, he sits eighty eight. What? Wait, who was that? Okay, that's uh, fun. It's uh, I think he was a guy in the in the Flaherty deal. I think. Wow. I think I'll have to look because yeah, there was I, one where the, the A's flipped Sammy Spinrate, right? Sam Ball to Cincinnati, guy, Sammy and, and Sammy yeah. Spinrate, I guess, is like five six. All right, and the mm-hmm. dude they traded for or got back is six foot seven, but but throws mm-hmm. like a hundred miles an hour and also walks like eight guys per game mm-hmm. or per nine. Anyway, um, see that's that's why I was uh, just enamored trades. of what the what the Mariners got uh, for for Seawold. Where they got Ryan Bliss. Have you checked out his kind of game, Ryan Bliss? No. He's listed at listed at five six, which means <laughs> he's not four eleven. Yeah, you know, like like he's uh, he's he's in the Altuve class, and he just what he does is make contact. He's he's doing the Arias thing in in Double A. He's three fifty eight. He's just raking, raking, raking. He's got speed, and he's so different from what you're used to seeing these days. I just I'm praying that he works out because he will be such a cult hero in Seattle if he works out. Just I want more little slappy uh, three fifty, you know, three hundred guys who just get. I want Juan Pierre, okay? Miss Juan Pierre, Juan Pierre. Uh, Lonely Nation turns its eyes to you. More Juan Pierres. 
You know what? We all miss Vaughn. Yeah, right, right. Like we should do this for next trade deadline. Honestly, like start just as we're kind of going through it, like picking out some of these like very odd, interesting, yes. different prospects, and then just like making an all-star team of them. Because like I want to <laughs> read more about the the five foot six guy, and that's yeah. a great point, Grant. If that's what you're putting on paper, dude, that's four eleven. Right, so like I, I want to see that. I want to see like six, seven dude who throws eighty. Yeah. Like I, I, I think his name is his Jackson Jackson Wolf. He was in the Rich Hill trade. Uh, what are the Padres doing? Who can say? Uh, did you guys have a favorite trade? Because I had one that I actually am still thinking about. You go first, then, because I, I nothing pops out to me the, like as far as a favorite the one trade. that felt like like the most you know everyone's favorite kind of trade is a challenge trade. Right. Like that's what that's what it's all about. The uh, Guardians raise uh, Kyle Manzardo for Aaron Simile swap. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be I will pay attention to this for the next five years, I think, uh, <laughs> it, because, you know, the Rays, right. What the Rays usually do is buy low. And in Sibley, they bought pretty high. He's having the best year of his career. And they gave up like one of their best hitting prospects, a guy who was blocked in a variety of ways and is sort of hurt and has kind of had a rough, you know, go of it. But like also a, a guy who crushed the baseball last year and like has a lot of qualities that you would think they would really like. And so I just I someone knows something that I don't on both sides. And so I'm very intrigued uh, to see how that goes. Man, Andy's got a type. I, I texted you this after that trade because I remember you buzzing about it. Who's who does that first baseman remind you of? Ah, uh, I mean, I mean, everyone, you know, man, Haas. <laughs> there that, it that is. Haas. That's Haas. Haas. It's Haas two point <laughs> Eric Osmond. He fields his position. It's not a bunch of homers, but can like you know doubles, can hit like that. He's yeah. a better athlete than you think. He can there do stuff go. on the bases. There you go. He's got, he's got you know, gap to gap power. <laughs> and he's got a type. There I do, it is. I do, I do think Haas has gotten a, a, a raw deal, but a lot of money. So good for him. I, I will go with uh, Jordan Montgomery to the Rangers. I think that that just, they had yeah. innings. They had, I think they're the only team that has five guys with a hundred innings uh, in the rotation already. So wow. like they didn't need uh, just more arms, but they've already lost to Grom and you have to kind of plan. Maybe Max Scherzer isn't Max Scherzer anymore. <laughs> you can't just stop at Max Scherzer. And I yeah. think they did really well getting that second guy, that second tier guy who can help them not just win, uh, in the regular season, but if you're saying game three starter Jordan Montgomery, that makes sense. You know, you're not going. Ugh. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll see what this guy can do in a postseason matchup. So I like that, and I don't think the Cardinals uh, extracted that much from him. So that's my favorite trade, I think, of the deadline. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. I got yeah. one. I mm. got one for a couple mm. different reasons. CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick to the Angels. Ooh. You know Let's why? For a couple Halo's reasons. Number beaver. one. Number one. The Rockies. They're awake. <laughs> they're awake. They did it. They Bless did those. it. They traded Reddles. They didn't extend those guys. Yay. Rockies. <laughs> like that's bless a them. step forward. God bless him. Good for them. All right. The other thing was, I after the um, Angels traded for Giolito, like I talked to somebody with, like on the Angels side, and like, you know, I I think you know some of the conversations sort of mirrored what a lot of folks were sort of thinking in the back of their minds, like, dang, what what is left? Because like obviously they still had other needs, and it's like, do you have enough to like maneuver? Well, they found something, so I think I, that's a that's a nice win for them, right? Like the, it's not like they've got a deep system and it was already depleted by having you know getting Giolito and. and you know, the reliever. So I, I thought like getting, pulling an outfielder and first baseman out of their hat um, like that, that's pretty dang good for them. So that's, it's good work. Let's see if it happens for them. But like, I, I thought um, that went from like, Oh, it'd be nice to get that to they actually did it. So good for them. Yeah. They're still in fourth place in the division and four games back for the second wild card, but we love the halos. It's, don't we folks? Love the Halo fever, baby. It's, it's a, it's a matter of ethics. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not about, it's not about baseball at this point. It's ethics. And it's, <laughs> it's, you can't just give up on this. And people say, well, they needed to rebuild their farm system. And I get that <laughs> the Rangers ended up making the world series one year with Elvis Andres, Neftali Feliz, Jared Saltalamacchia, a little bit less Matt Harrison. Like they got a bunch for Mark Teixeira and it laid a foundation that they could build on. Uh, screw that. I'm sorry. You just, you have to, at the very least, okay, so you're not going to contend. Let the masses 
as a going away present, watch Otani chase 60 home runs. It's just, gee, come on. This is the universe gave you a gift. I think it's bad karma. It's Babe Ruth, no, no, Nanette territory to trade him for some weird package. Can I, I have a question. I don't know if you guys would even know this off the top of your head, but maybe there's like an approximation. But what do you think the Angels playoff odds were the night they traded for Lucas Giolito? What, like, what would you guess? 10%. 10%. 10%, something like that, right? Okay. That's a decent guess. I ask it because one of like my favorite things about any Steve Cohen presser is that sometimes he'll say the quiet part out loud, right? And so he, he spoke in Kansas City yesterday, and, and he was like, our playoff odds were 16%. Those are crummy odds, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. The Angels could not have been at 16% when they made those deals. Right. <laughs> so, right. like, it's just hilarious to me that he would say that after, like, there were certain teams, the Angels I think of in particular, where they actually added when their their odds weren't that high. I don't know what the Marlins' odds are, you know, because of the Pythagorean and whatnot. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's not – they're not – they're probably higher than 16, I would think. But, like, anyway, um, it just made me laugh, right? Like, he says that, and then I'm yeah. thinking, shit, the Angels did it for, like, 10%. So, anyway. Yeah. But this goes back to what I was saying the, the other day as well, where it's worth some of the best pros, prospects in baseball just to impress Otani for the next two months. Like it's worth trading him just for that window, exclusive window to be like, this is an organization. Don't you see how yeah. confident it is? And the Angels, in a way, did that trade where they forego four wins prospects. And uh, now they've got Otani and they're like, see, we're serious and we want you back. And if they can somehow in these next two months – do that 10%, 16%, that 10% of doing something that impresses the heck out of Otani is like worth so much that you have to take that because 0% chance of impressing Otani is, is worth negative value to this team. So yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be like junk, junk science, but like if, if the, if Otani is to be believed that what he wants to do more than anything is win next year. Right what are the angels chances of re-signing him if they miss the playoffs like mm. zero right if they make the playoffs they're better than zero yep and without him what's the point of the franchise right. like, I mean, right. so you might as well right. like like just you know Artie can sell the thing for two billion dollars instead of three billion dollars you know because right. of the land in a couple of years if they can't re-sign him like whatever like but the whole point is to keep him you're relevant every second as soon as he stops being an angel there's no reason to watch the angels so turn this into a, a texas hold'em analogy you're welcome to use your chips while you're doing it like what were the angels holding how much was uh, already in the pot like, well, here's so yeah. So this happens sometimes in poker. Sometimes yes. uh, people will, let's say you have a hundred thousand chips left, right? And you'll bet ninety nine thousand on a bluff, right? It's like a new school thing that guys do or whatever, right? And you have one chip back, and you know that you're like you have a really bad chance of winning if the guy goes all in, right? You, you're bluffing essentially. But then the guy goes all in. And it's like, well, I mean, what am I going to win with this chip? You know, like there's the smallest chance in the world. And so you flick the chip in, right? Like you're, you're pot committed and short stacked. You have to go all in, right? Everything you have is in the middle. Your only chance is putting the small, you know, whatever uh, prospects they had left 
So yeah, I mean it's it's like that basically. Everything's in the everything's in the center, and they have a small stack. You you know you're you're stuck. You got to go. So can the uh, Angels hit the nut straight? (laughs) I mean, I don't I don't really know what that is, but they have like they have like a one outer in the deck. There's like one card in the deck. Yep. And if they get there, they win. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) So like. Just to bring it full circle, right? Like, okay, Otani, like you, you've demonstrated to him that you're going to try to win. The, the the first thought I have is like, man, that's a lot of faith in like Logan O'Hoppy and Mickey Moniak. Because like we were just talking about the Mets earlier and why it went wrong, right? Like you, you're dependent on stars, but then it's also like you got to have these other guys come in there and, and be productive. And so I'm wondering with the Angels, okay, like let's just game it out. Let's say it works. Let's say they've done enough to convince Otani to stay, right? And like honestly, there's, uh, it's, it feels to me anyway, like there's he's staying with them or going to the Dodgers, all right? Like if I, if I had to bet, like that's what it kind of feels like. Um, so it works. Like how are they going to get those other guys, right? Who is that going to be? Who are the folks that are going to help? You know, be the Texas Rangers where they're getting contributions from the dudes that aren't just the stars, but like the John Grays of the world, right? Like uh, the Jeff McNeils of the world when he's hitting like that. That's, you know, who are those guys in this setup? And I think it's fascinating because like and and I wonder if you're Otani, how much are you factoring that into this, too? Because like you're not going to win if you're, you know, and we've seen this over and over again, if it's like, you know two or three guys don't make it make a, a pennant winner two or three guys don't make um, a consistent winner and i still don't know what the angels what that is and obviously moving prospects is going to alter that equation too right because presumably there's somebody in that pile of prospects that might have been that guy that is no longer going to be that guy for them so where are they going to get it even if they keep otani which is fascinating this uh this is uh the kind of podcast where you can watch me react to learning that Logan O'Hoppy's name is pronounced Logan O'Hoppy in real time. Um, I am so glad I didn't have to say that name before you said it. Logan O'Hoppy and Aaron Civilly? I just found out. No, hold on. I'm looking. I looked it up literally today. Hold on. Uh, give me a sec. Because you said it a few times. You're, you're I know, but, but if, if you got it wrong. Well, I think I said Civilly. Yeah. Siv Ali. Yeah. S-I-V-A-L-L-E. Civilly. 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 He's Aaron Civilly. Okay. So this has been episode 59. Did we settle on? Uh, We settled on 59. All right. Let us know if we're wrong, Roundtable Heads. Uh, We will be back next week. Uh, It'll be this, this trio again. Uh, I think we work well together. I don't know about the schlubs who were replacing me when I was gone, but uh, <laughs> I'm back. So the podcast is back. How, how did it go, by the way? Pretty pretty well? Got some? Yeah, we had a new host. Chatter. He was pretty good. <laughs> Damn it. All right, I got Wally Pitt. All right, we'll be back next week to talk about baseball because that's what we do. See you then. <laughs>